and here we are. So, um, so it turns out, you guys might have seen this on the interwebs, but, uh, so, uh, I broke my hip. Uh, I did see that okay. on the interwebs. That is a huge bummer, and also a huge bummer that took them that long to figure out that it was broken. I know, right? So, you know, any listeners who <laughs> no doubt remember the last, I don't know, bajillion episodes where I've been complaining about my hip, and, oh, it totally wasn't broken. No, actually, I totally was broken. Pretty, um, pretty worked. And it's been, yeah, so that's pretty, uh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was, it was like, non-displaced, they call it, so, like, it, it, it broke, but it's not like it moved or was, yeah. I mean, it's it, like, it's just a, it's a hip, it kind of stays in one... Or no, not your pelvis, I guess. What's what's the difference between your hip and your pelvis? Uh, I mean, the hip is the joint, so it actually technically consists of the ball of your um, femur and also the part of the pelvis that it interacts so with. So which part did you break? Did you break the ball or the pelvis? Uh, so I broke the pelvis. Yeah. I broke the socket, the, the acetabulum, they call your it. Your ass. <laughs> well. As Francis said, it is a huge bummer. <laughs> yes. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, you're hilarious. Yep. Yeah, it is in the it is in the asshole region, so that's what they call it. The asshole region. Um, yeah, uh, it's toward the. Excuse me, doctor, but I think you're the asshole here. Well, well, I didn't say asshole region. Oh, <laughs> only part the of the asshole region. region. <laughs> that would be a different uh. a different sort of injury that would also be quite unpleasant. But yeah, so it was in the socket there, to like the back, the back end of the socket, you know. So uh, it explains a lot. It explains a lot. And and by the time they found out, it was like mostly healed. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like that's the thing is that if it's a, obviously you've been in in discomfort, but it's also like, okay, it's a pelvis. If you break it, they tell you, try not to move and take some ibuprofen for a while, and it'll kind of fill in with some new bone. I mean, it depends. I've seen some. I've seen some schematics that are really quite horrifying. Oh, you don't want to Google this stuff. <laughs> no. No, probably not. We'll see. <laughs> when usually when people break, like, uh, I mean, aside from athletes and or old people who fall and break their hip, um, mm-hmm. which does happen. Yeah. It, like the most common like pelvic fractures are like from auto accidents, and they are really terrible. E. So. That sounds less than ideal. Yeah. I guess I've just been yeah. like. Thinking of it kind of along the lines of uh, of the the times that I've broken my ribs. Um, uh, the times, not, plural? Fortunately, not all of my ribs, just some of them. Um, I think you made that same joke last time. No, really? Oh, crap. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Have I, have I told the story on the podcast? I very well may have, because I can't keep track of you, anything. I mean, go ahead. Why not? Yeah, well, it's... So, I, you know, my ribs hurt really bad, and, like coughing and sneezing was debilitatingly painful and so was like lying down to sleep but i i kind of figured like i was sort of like between health insurance at the time um and i kind of figured that you know i I would survive it um and that if i went to a doctor and they they uh scanned me they would say one of two things one is that uh your ribs are broken um don't get punched in the chest and take some ibuprofen when they hurt and give it a couple months. Or they'd say, your ribs aren't broken. Take it easy and <laughs> take some ibuprofen for a little while until they don't hurt anymore. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, I'm just I don't really recommend the course of action that I take about certain things sometimes. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, there's not much to be done. Yeah. And because, yeah. And, you know, because in my case, I mean, whatever. I'm doing physical therapy now. It's fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. But if if anyone was really dying to know the 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 answer, it, it seems that that's that's it. That's what I did. That sucks, dude. Um, yeah, it it's sucks. nice. I mean, nice Noah thing though, too. You know, it's actually it's actually not. If, if it were like a number of other things, it could actually be have been worse. Even if it was like a soft tissue thing, like if it was a torn labrum or something, that would actually be worse. Yeah. So it's like okay, because <laughs> bone heals reasonably well. It just takes some time, and and you lose some some hip function while you know your kind of motion is restricted. And then like a lot of a lot of the problem I have is that my uh, muscles, various muscles, are now conditioned to kind of try and guard the joint against too much movement. Yeah, you're all fakakta. Yeah, I'm all fakakta, but. Um, it's nothing that a little bit of uh, stretching in PT and and whatever can't fix. So, boom, no big deal. <laughs> now that it's been like two months or more, <sighs> so yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, what else is going on? So, so, um, so look. I mean, this is the Honest Bicycle Program. In uh, theory, I was gonna I was gonna segue into a, an introduction. This, this, yeah, we, we didn't theory. actually do an introduction. We just started talking about Greg's hip. Been a hell of a cold open. <laughs> that's what we've been. That's what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. This is what the people want. I mean, I I don't give know. We by all really means give any. the people what they want. But so all right. So this is this is the Honest Bicycle Program. Uh, I'm Matteo. I'm Francis. And I'm Greg. Wow, that was really confusing. I know we we did it all. <laughs> but look, so I, there's a point that I want to make, which is, uh, Greg, you in particular have had some bad luck over the past year. Um, <laughs> yep. despite despite this, um, cyclists do generally live uh, healthier lives uh, than the general population. Healthier um, and cooler. You should become a cyclist. And cooler. I mean, especially if you're wearing blinders optics. Precisely, which we will get oh, into God. later. One, okay, one guys, at a time. One thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> um. There are a couple points uh, that I, I want to make about cycling. Um, uh, research shows that avid cyclists have 45% lower cancer risk, uh, 18% lower heart disease risk, uh, and basically a, up to a 28% lower risk of early death. Um, and due to this, I, I think it makes sense to get a special rate uh, on life insurance based on an active and health-conscious lifestyle. And there's a company called Health IQ um, that is supporting our podcast uh, that does this. Um, and so you can check them out by going to healthiq.com slash honest bicycle. They'll provide you with a free quote. Um, it's a pretty cool site. They've got some really easy to understand sort of data and information on there, which I'm really about, um, because I work in sort of health literacy in my, in my nine to five when I'm not a professional podcaster. Um, they have a really cool sort of advocacy based approach a very data-driven approach um and they're reaching out to the cycling community to try and say hey uh you know they can offer better rates on health insurance um and for for those of for those of us who are getting to that time of life when we have realized that we should have started planning for the future a decade ago um i think that's a that's a really a really nice direction to pursue so once again this is health iq uh, better rates on on life insurance 
for cyclists and other active people. So check them out. Go to healthiq.com slash honest bicycle. Yeah, and please please do um, go there. Like uh, Ideally, I don't know, from multiple devices. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> um, but, but go there. You don't just have to uh, get... You know, you don't have to buy insurance from them, right? Like, check it out. You might not even get a quote, but they have, like, useful information that might be informative. And if you go there, it will help us out because they'll be like, oh, oh, snap, people are uh, listening to this podcast program and going here. We should keep giving them money. Um, And we like that. And health insurance is also a good thing. And if you happen to buy some health insurance while you're there, uh, that'd be awesome. Health, life, life insurance. While you're there, that would be awesome. So, um, yeah, I actually don't currently have life insurance because it was provided through my um, uh, employer over the last few years, uh, and 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 I'm sort of not uh, getting that right now. So, so maybe I should look at that. So, yeah, awesome. And to uh, to the Health IQ folks who are uh, supporting our podcast, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. So so when you say like <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, he said, not sarcastically. Yeah. I didn't mean that sarcastically. Like, thank you. Uh, so so a decade ago, when we should have been planning for our futures, um, wasn't that like we were we were trying to or whatever? We were just about to start, right? Because we were like, oh, yeah, getting out of college. Everything's looking great. Right. How, how um, could we possibly like plan the... for our futures when we were so wild and free and young <laughs> and full <laughs> and of hope and life? So and the economy was well, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what happened is is it's like it, I especially because Maddie, you were a little earlier. Francis, you were a little later, but got out of college and the economy immediately fell on its face as soon as I graduated. And I said, well, off to grad school. See ya. <laughs> I, for one, uh, rest easy knowing that my future has actually been giving, given out as a multimillion dollar bonus to some coked up 26 year old financial douchebag. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> It's my and dream now right all of there. our friends, or not our friends, but now there are all these people who are like five to, uh, you know, almost ten years younger than us who graduated during the recovery, and they are making way more money, and it's fine. It's not. I'm not bitter about it at all. <laughs> that their careers um, are doing great, and they're going to be richer than me for their entire lives. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, excuse me. What happened? I, I was so busy getting woke, I think I lost, uh, lost track of uh, uh, what we're actually going to talk about. Is this thing about. on? I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of bourbon in your connection. Uh, <laughs> There's bourbon clogging the pipes of the internet. It's filling up fast. <laughs> oh, no. Bail it out. These pipes weren't designed for bourbon. <laughs> they were designed for data and fake news. Oh, yeah. It was it was porn, but fake news much more profitable as it turns out. Turns out, out it's which, it's over which, overdoing porn. Actually, um, quick interesting overdoing oh, porn. It's over, no, it was overdoing the porn. Now it's overdoing <laughs> more the like fake, fake news. Um, no, so apparently, X Hamster, which is a porn site, uh, in response to the recent uh, political climate, is now directing all people from Utah to its new sex ed website as opposed to just regular porn so even the porn sites are getting political about this damn what wait what <laughs> how okay for I, ba, hang on first of all how did you where did you hear um, this? Red, did reddit you, ob- were you on a business trip in utah reddit, and uh, obviously <laughs> oh okay come on now <laughs> just, front page uh, of reddit I, I i'm not i'm not a complete 
total porn freak here. Or that makes me sound like I'm a slight porn freak. I'm not a porn freak. <laughs> Um, it's okay. I thought it was interesting. Let me, let me read you the headline. It was a move in response to state lawmakers rejecting comprehensive sex education. So now, wow. if you look up porn, that is... go to X Tamster and you're in Utah, you're going to get redirected to a sex ed series, which is pretty baller. I agree. That is I find that it's is baller. I find the uh, I find the the political um, I, I, I don't know. The political economy of like porn producers is a very confusing subject. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. And I mean, we're not it's like the is there a porn, porn podcast, lobby? So, I don't know. You know. Maybe we'll save it. Yeah, for we a should probably porn. we should Porncast. probably move on. I mean, we weren't Podcast. we weren't really a family oh, show before, Bourbon but if is like coming into the tubes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just like I'm sorry. I'm just spraying bourbon. <laughs> All over. I'm just, I'm drinking this drink way too fast, and I don't have any backup bourbon up here. Ah, you see, <laughs> when I went down to get my headphones before we started, I also retrieved a second here from the fridge in preparation. Oh. Partially. Did you put it in a beer cozy? Did I put it in the what? In a beer cozy. Oh, God. that You broke up for a second, and all I heard was <laughs> S, the SSY end of that, and I was like, wait a minute. One. I heard that too. All right, and two. I don't think that's gonna keep my beer cold. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Should we stop oh, where we're ahead and just quit the podcast right now? <laughs> All right, this has been the Honest Bicycle Program, and we'll see you next time. Actually, no, that's the end of the podcast. We're done. Drop the mic. No, just kidding. Over. Just kidding. Uh, no. Should we do a plug or talk about? Things. Let's let's talk about some things. Oh, oh. We talked about bikes. Actually, no. Wait, wait, wait. No, I do have a quick. I do have a. Pl- we, we 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 can do another plug. All right, plug away. Um, but before we get into actual serious business, um, we have this is like a high, high plug, uh, number podcast this week. So, uh, yay. <laughs> uh, we on a whim decided to make some t-shirts. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I know. I don't have right? to be topless anymore when I go outside. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's true. You do not have to be topless anymore. And neither do you, dear listener. Now you can adorn your previously naked top with fine threads bearing our logo. So fine. The logo of the Honest Bicycle Program. Uh, so we have premium tees available. In order to get them, you can go to teespring.com slash honestbicycle pretty easy right and there you can order for a mere twenty dollars unisex or lady style um actually that sounded really good cool <laughs> that. uh, that's for me t-shirt lady style one <laughs> you know i ordered i ordered t-shirts for all three of us um and not knowing your kind of opinion on lady style t-shirts i actually ordered you a unisex oh one, crapper so. i actually really uh, like lady style t-shirts but oh damn that's it. all right i wasn't sure me too uh well <laughs> maddie likes them too they compliment my hips. There we go. <laughs> uh, Matteo does, I mean, many have commented on Matteo's hips. Um, <laughs> As Shakira said in the early true. 2000s, on my hips, hips don't are... lie. That's true. Most comments on my hips are that, hey, those hips are pretty broken. <laughs> yeah, you're probably um, getting the most comments on your hips recently. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, go get a t-shirt. It'll make us a little bit of money. And we will love you. And you'll be showing your, I don't know, your bona fides as a listener of good podcasts, which we definitely are. Uh, so go to teespring.com slash honest bicycle. <laughs> get, 
An honest yeah, bicycle party. Yeah, I, I let that one swing by, but Matty O can't handle it. <laughs> Good podcast, which we definitely are. Well done, Greg. Oh, I was just going to yeah, comment on how Greg you know. almost said boner, but then switched it to an adult word. <laughs> A good, we're not a good boner, we're just a podcast. <laughs> sure, we're a good boner. <laughs> you remember when we tried not to cuss on the podcast, so something something iTunes? Oh. Oh, yeah, but This then... one, all we've talked about is, like, porn and boners. Hey, I was talking we about a political activist thing that happened to do with We porn. haven't cursed at any point, We it, unless boner counts as a curse. I also one? said douchebag earlier. Oh, well, he said it oh, again. Uh, but it was a political usage right. of the word. Sure. There political we go. words. Refuge in politics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Francis, you brought a topic to our attention today, and we both also agreed that it was a good idea to talk about. Indeed. Indeed, I did. Um, so as of recent, uh, our dear listeners may have seen... Uh, making the rounds on cycling tips, and I think specifically Ella cycling tips, um, is an article on uh, abuse in the pro-women's Peloton, um, specifically spurred on by a uh, podcast done by Cycling Tips in which they interviewed uh, John Viev, I think it's pronounced, John Viev Jensen, um, about yeah. her career. And for those of you who don't know, um, John Viev Jensen was a phenomenal... A uh, young racer in I think I think she started in '98 um, into the early 2000s, and she was banned for taking EPO lifetime ban in 2005, which I think has been commuted to a 10-year sentence, which is almost up. Um, but it came out uh, a little bit further down the line that really that wasn't kind of the whole the whole story, and that just that she was a phenomenal cyclist because she'd been taking EPO. Um, she'd had kind of a um, a pretty messed up relationship with her her coach and her mentor starting when she was 14 years old. Damn it, 14 years old. Um, where she was basically forced into taking EPO and then physically, psychologically, and sexually abused throughout her cycling career. And based on that podcast, a lot of, I think, 12 women in the pro peloton have come out with, um, I think most of them anonymously because they're still racing, uh, really some pretty frightening abuse stories that they've uh, been either party to or experienced themselves um, while in the pro peloton, uh, leading me to believe that, uh, and also the fact that I'm not surprised by this, which is pretty sad, um, that this is pretty common. Yeah. It's yeah, so this is, um, this was really intense. I mean, that, that listening to that podcast was like... Yeah, it was it was a heavy hour for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but what uh, I, I do recommend listeners that you go and, and check it out. It's I mean it's heavy, but um, it's also it's worth listening to. It's worth listening to. It has a good ending. Um, you know she's doing okay. Um, I mean she's doing great. It seems like so. Uh, I'll include a link to that article and um, the podcast in. The show notes, uh, which we have, and you can find those at wideanglepodium.com. Go to this episode, which is going to be, I want to say, 73? I think 74. And is it, uh, well, now we have to check which episode it's going to be. <laughs> well, we're totally going to edit this out. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, so, <laughs> okay, you're right, 74. So, sorry. 
So uh, if you're listening to this, go find uh, on the WideAnglePodium.com website, episode 74, if you are looking for the links. Or you can search um, CyclingTips.com for uh, Genevieve uh, uh, Jeanson. I'm bad at the French. She's French-Canadian. But like Genevieve Jeanson, if you want the totally anglicized pronunciation. Um, And and you'll be able to find that. So uh, well worth listening. I'm sorry I've been talking about this too long. Continue. <laughs> um, and I mean, I think it was, uh, you know, it, it got shared around, I saw, by a couple high-profile um, male cyclists, which is always great to see. Um, I may have not, hmm. may or may have not started a comment war on Stephen Hyde's Facebook page um, <laughs> regarding said article. Um, but I, I don't think it will come as a surprise to female cyclists. Um, that's not to say that all female pro situations are situations in which abuse happens just that to me this seems like i mean a perfect recipe and i kind of i read the article and smacked myself in the head um and went duh of course um just because i mean some of you have probably uh seen the documentary half the road about women cycling and kind of the struggle to um have women professionals paid um, you know, actually get a salary at all in some cases, but be hopefully be paid an equal salary to their UCI counterparts in the world tour. Um, and you know, you know, there's a lot of arguments for you know why we can, why we should, why we must, why we can't, why the UCI keeps um, being a steel barrier in which uh, female pros beat their head against um, to try to get this point across. But really, um, what these articles and what Um, all of this coming to light says to me is that the situation in which women pros are not paid creates a breeding ground for abuse. It's like you put a bunch of people in an area where they are striving for one thing and striving with every fiber of their being for that thing and they can't make any money so they are dependent on anything that gets thrown their way and that is just, I mean, hand over fist you know, if there's going to be someone who's going to take advantage of someone, then they're they're going to be in that scenario and they're going to find people, in, vulnerable people in that. And I mean, not to call female cyclists vulnerable because, I mean, I think they're strong and awesome, but vulnerable in the sense that, you know, you're overseas and you signed on to a team and they promised, you know, to give you X, Y, Z in your contract and you're stuck in your house with your other teammates and maybe you don't speak the language. Maybe you're in Italy and your team director is suddenly not feeding you. It's just, it's a totally fucked up situation. Yeah. I think, I think the thing that really struck me about the the follow-up with the anonymous, uh, the anonymous um, racers talking about their experiences is that um, par- partially they were vulnerable, but partially they were, they were, made vulnerable by the manipulative actions of these coaches and DSs. I mean, I mean, somebody talked about, you know, their, their DS saying that, okay, you're, you're only gonna, you know, earn your spot on this team if you go and live in this house and, and you're going to be spied on and your training is going to be monitored by people. I mean, that, that's so scary. It's scary. And it, it creates an impossible situation because you're basically asking these women you know, you're, you're putting them in the scenario of like, well, do you want to be a professional cyclist? And obviously the yeah. answer is yes. And yep. in some of those cases, you know, they're putting them in, in scenarios where, you know, they said, 
they promised me these things in, in this contract and, you know, months and months later, they're not delivering. And I'm in a situation where I can't find another team because, you know, the, the space of the year in which one does that has already gone by. And so mm-hmm. you're either making the choice to race at the highest level or not race at all. And, and the, yeah, and 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 what Jean-Vierre Johnson also talked about um, was, you know, her uh, abuser also threatening to commit suicide, right? So like classic- And, and threatening to kill her as well. Yes, yes, that, that too, which is worse. Um, but, you know, one, one thing that really- really struck me uh about her story on the on the podcast was that she said well i didn't want him to commit suicide and so i went along with what he forced me to do um yeah and that was brutal yeah it was it was it was pretty tough hearing her say that and i mean just to know how young that she was you know basically groomed by this man yeah. Um, you know, 14 years is incredibly young for a man or a woman, and you're very influential at that age. And, I mean, she had kind of, there was, I think, a pivotal moment in the podcast for me when she said, you know, I got out of professional cycling and I was, you know, I was an unformed person. I'd spent, you know, my entire, uh, my entire, you know, teenage and, and all of my adult life up until that point um, just doing what people told me. And so it's like coming out of that and she's had to you know, spend the next 10 years trying to, you know, figure out who she is sans an abuser who's been with her for, you know, that long a time. Her, like, incredibly formative years. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and that, yeah. you know, that, that, um, that, like, influence from a young age and that sort of, you know, manipulation to to put somebody in a vulnerable situation reminded me of the story that came out uh went went public um last month about missy erickson a a track cyclist whom whom i respect quite a bunch who who went public with um the the abuse that she experienced from someone connected to her cycling club who yeah based on what she said you know groomed her from a young age and then started asserting control and and manipulating her um yeah 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 and and i I do want to emphasize um uh, well what francis said about you know not to say that women in particular are vulnerable like it's it's not about it being women or men or whatever i mean just um you get someone kind of isolated um well look i've been in a very different um, kind of circumstance, a very different sort of situation when I was in grad school in, in a situation that was like emotionally and, and uh, manipulative and abusive. Um, and it really is just if you're in any kind of situation where you can be isolated from other people, um, it's really, really, this is something that can happen to anyone. Absolutely. Um, and when they feel like they really want to do something or are really committed to something, um, it doesn't. It kind of doesn't matter who you are, and I think that the the, the unfortunate reality, you know, as we've said, is that um, women's cycling is an absolutely a kind of space that's vulnerable to this as a problem, um, not because it's women, except insofar as um, you know, th- thanks to uh, <laughs> sexism, patriarchy, whatever. Um, 
that there is less money it's harder um it's it's just there's going to be less independence do you all know um, about the athletes yeah do you all know about and uh, and to say and this is a thing that happens i'll sorry i'll just close mm -hmm. out on that and but you know there are problems too at the lower levels and i guess higher levels too you know there are there are issues in in men's cycling as well right and not to this is not a um you know what about the men kind of thing right just to point out that this is something that happens um in all professional cycling or, or kind of semi-pro cycling but it is especially a problem i would i would say on the women's side because the riders are in a much more precarious situation it, yeah it's, it's about creating mm -hmm. and situations and circumstances that make someone vulnerable and isolated and then i mean you know not to drag in other things but as we've seen it's like there are people in the world there will always be people in the world who gravitate to those situations and will take advantage of them yeah and that's yeah. that's not to say those situations will always have those people but just that they do exist and they will end up in those situations you know there are i'm sure plenty of women's pro teams that are run by perfectly reasonable well-to-do human beings and then there are i'm sure women's cycling teams that are run by manipulative assholes. Mm -hmm. Do you do both of you have you ever heard of uh, USA Cycling's Safe Sport Initiative? We well, I haven't. I have actually not, Matteo. What is the Safe Sport Initiative? Um, I I'm not entirely sure if I can give a, a sort of comprehensive explanation, but it, it sort of offers um training. Uh, it, it's a it's a training that's required for coaches and officials. Um, uh, that, that sort of focuses on, you know, ensuring that sort of abuse and manipulation don't take place in USA Cycling. Um, but it's also an avenue for reporting abusive and manipulative behavior and USA Cycling will investigate. Um, and so you can, you can read more at usacycling.org slash safe sport, but, uh, people can file a report if they, uh, if they witness behavior that they're concerned about, um, either, you know, it, it seems, it seems where it seems to be focused on, on keeping junior cyclists safe. So I'm not sure if it, uh, is, is broader than that, but, um, which is, I think it's, I think it's great like, that it exists. Uh, yeah, it sounds like an important program. And I mean, that's, those sorts of programs are critical in keeping juniors safe in sport, you know, especially when you have situations like i mean i'm sure in any sport where you're going to have young vulnerable people and they're going to be working with um you know adults that you hope to god are trustworthy um but yeah i think just the problem that all of this brings up is how endemic all of this is and it's just like you know you don't have this isolated podcast with jean vive jeanson kind of um coming i guess coming clean with her with her story and you know, the suffering she endured, um, but how many women echo her story and how quickly they came out to say, yeah, I've experienced this too. And I mean, some of those stories in that um, article with the, from the anonymous woman were pretty horrific. I mean, like a DS that was so verbally abusive and then would shame the rider when she said she wanted to quit by presenting her with a statue of a penis. That's fucked up. Yeah. yeah, that that was a really a particularly um or trying to walk by your team director appalling. because they're having a verbal tirade with you in a hotel lobby and they slam you up against the wall. I mean, that's just yeah. like 
I mean, you you can't. There there is clearly a an environment here where this sort of person and this sort of uh this sort of situation thrives. And I think there was even a quote on it of like, well, why don't you report it to the UCI? And and the woman's quote was, well, why would you report the wolf to the other wolves? It's like they're they're not. There's no system in place to to you know say my team my team manager is abusive. I mean, probably. I mean, if I were in that situation and I was trying to hack it as a pro cyclist, I would think, well, I mean, I'm going to weigh reporting this person and probably losing my spot on this team and maybe being blacklisted from all other teams and losing my entire career mm-hmm. to, okay, I mean, I guess it wasn't so bad. He just yelled at me in public and, you know, didn't feed me in this huge stage race. I guess I'll just deal with it. And, you know, it, yeah. that's the mentality is like you just keep going along like that and i think you know this is the problem is that we can't like by not fucking paying women it's like you have to create a situation where people can be treated fairly and if there aren't checks and balances in place and if there's no like if this isn't viewed as a job if it's not viewed as something where you're um you you know you walk into any workplace and if you if something like this happened i mean it would just be it would be anathema it would be court cases all over the place and it would be crazy town but you hear about this in the pro peloton and you have 12 other women jumping on board saying like oh yeah yep yep that definitely happened to me too in like in like what two days one day since that podcast came out yeah and for all of those 12 men women (laughs) women there's probably plenty of other women who experienced something similar and are not stepping forward yeah oh i mean no question i mean well in in there's a broader context too of you know over the last year the whole um <laughs> controversy is the word that I, I i guess settled on first but i mean it's not just controversy uh with with british cycling and shane sutton there um and but not and not just him though you know i mean that's the guy that was the guy at the top but uh, British cycling apparently having a huge problem with uh, sexism and uh, prejudice and you know real kind of emotional abuse um, and uh, of of and, and kind of just mistreatment of women in British cycling uh, and and there's been a lot of talk about that lately I believe that Nicole Cook spoke to British Parliament um, sports I don't know what their committees are over there, but the, basically the equivalent of that. So, you know, there's there's a context here where this is a thing that's happening in lots of places and including in lots of places that would, uh, I'm sure, like to think of themselves as being very progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it, and that's what makes it bigger, too, than just um, it, it is what we've said about, you know, there would be less of a problem if if there were equal pay but you know both underlying the fact that there isn't equal pay and and also kind of making a bigger problem still than that is just overall sexism in society uh you know and and you end up with the people running the show uh having these attitudes and we need to get you know the, we need to get them out like it's not acceptable no, it's not acceptable no. for it's, it's n- the performance director of of british cycling to tell jess varnish that you know she's too old and she should move on and have a baby yeah it's you know that's not okay it's ridiculous i mean it's it's all it's running off this you should be so lucky mentality oh yeah it's exactly just, it's ridiculous and i mean that's you know if you have a ds or a team manager who has that mentality it's like that 
bad enough. And then, you know, it es- it starts escalating into abuse from there, and that's worse. And it's just, no, it's like, you, neither you, nor I, nor Matteo, nor anyone with a normal 9-to-5 job would go into work, perform our job for eight hours, request our paycheck after it wasn't distributed to us after two weeks, have our boss tell us we should be so lucky to be working there, and take that. No one would. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, having, having, like I said, been in, in, in a kind of situation like that, well, like it yeah. is, you Hopeful, know, that is, I a, mean, that is a classic. Hopefully no one has to face that sort line, of situation. You know? But the problem is when, right. when that's told to you over and over again that you should be so lucky to have this opportunity, how could you possibly think of asking me for money on top of that? Yeah, like, I, I, I have yeah, to no, absolutely. play in like in industries or sectors where I mean that's classic uh, manipulation. Oh, totally. And it's and it happens yep. in in I think, you know, like awful graduate student circumstances or you know, sort of art scenes or cycling where like yeah, you have to invest a lot of sort of unpaid or other uh, you know, uncompensated work and time um in order for a shot in order to have a shot at something and so people put themselves in your way and say well i'm your gatekeeper and you have to make me happy yeah and that's i I mean i've had that that's that is fucked up i've I've had those almost exact words actually said to me of uh... (laughs) again this is not this is not about me you know i'm only pointing out like this is very this is like a familiar thing yeah and this is a thing that happens in all sorts of situations, and it's particularly a problem when you you know get end up with a toxic mix mix of of sexism and sports. Um, and I think that makes it that much worse because a lot of people, I mean, anyone in this situation might technically have a choice, right? In that, well, I like there are other lives you can lead, but. Um, you know, it's, in a lot of situations, people really choice. do have alternate paths. It, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, an, it's it really a choice is. that you shouldn't be forced to make. It's it's right, like saying right. to a grad student, it's like you should be so lucky for to to be working in this lab. I I shouldn't have to pay you. And you, well, you're getting paid to do your hobby. Therefore, anything. I mean, you know, like you should be so not in the company yeah, I like worked for, but this type of talk is rampant in the game industry. It's you're working on video games. You should be so lucky to work 80-hour weeks here and only get paid for 40 of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and this yeah. is talk that's mostly dished out to, and I'm going to stereotype here, white men. So, I mean, it's not just a women's problem necessarily, but this is the type of talk but in this that case, creates yeah. the situation where you're it, it makes the person receiving it feel ashamed. It makes them question themselves. It makes them think, well... Well, gosh, I I am lucky to be here. I I'm so lucky to be on this pro team. I guess I really don't deserve to be paid when they do. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it really does seem, I think, as we said, that this is is much more common, you know, in women's cycling than in, in men's cycling, and 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 that's a problem. Where we should, I don't know what our prescription is. I, I feel like I feel like we're going to start going in circles. I, I mean, we are. I I do um, have a prescription. So... I have a small prescription. So just okay. just to to close this out is that if you hear. Someone tell you this, be it a friend or an acquaintance or a coworker or a teammate, that something like this is happening to them. Listen and validate them and don't please don't brush it off as saying, oh, well, that's just a part of a grad student. That's a part of being a cyclist. That's kind of the culture. Mm-hmm. Listen and 
let them know that you heard them and that it's not okay. If that is all you can do, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't we don't necessarily expect people to be heroes and, and to fix it. You know, we can't fix it in in one go. But um, just just don't tell them they're learn. wrong. If you hear this from right from someone, especially someone that you love, don't try. Just don't brush it off. Don't. Or and importantly, if someone's telling you about their experiences, kind of absent the knowledge that this is not okay. Like, you know, it, it, please tell them it isn't okay and and they're not the ones who are in the wrong like it's it's very very hard to extract people from these kinds of situations i mean it's it is it's a sort of brainwashing right 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 it i mean it absolutely is it absolutely is you know it's it's that's yeah how it works and and yeah it's and and don't feel like you're not you're not gonna people i don't know had this idea that gosh if only if only this one person if only if only i'd known you know, I could have said something and, and it would have fixed it. It's, it's, you know, it's not that simple, but being there and, and it, it does help, right? And if, if more and more people, you know, if we can, could create some more awareness about this, that, that might make it easier for people to, to recognize that they aren't alone in, in their struggles and in, in the kind of abusive behavior they're experiencing and that there is a way out. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think I think another component is, you know, when when we start to realize that these stories are not one off, they are they are things that happen. Uh, when then they, they start we start to realize that they're not aberrations. They're not. Oh, no, that couldn't possibly happen. Not in my wonderful cycling community where everyone has a cool Prius um, and and is neat, uh, you know this stuff happens and when we realize it like that's when we can make decisions about like when we embrace that we make decisions about whom to support and like do we support um our our friends and loved ones and acquaintances who are telling us that they like experience this behavior or do we like collaborate and support with abusers and so like i'm kind of all for you know i I know that you know for some people like this is it's really going out on a limb to like name names but uh, you know i support naming names and people not collaborating with working with hiring with riding with abusers yeah i mean if if there is someone working in the cycling community that is abusing someone they should be blacklisted absolutely yep yep okay um so let's take a bit of a palate cleanser (laughs) yep that was that (laughs) was heavy (laughs) i'm already on my second beer we're sort of we're sort of we're talking amongst ourselves here, but I think we're also like having this conversation. Not not like we, we plan it, but you know we, we hope that uh, I, I I guess maybe I'm just saying this for myself. I shouldn't speak on on behalf of YouTube, but like I hope that you know the people who listen to us like sort of take the time to chew this over, take the time to like listen to those other podcasts, and just realize like what you know if they don't know about it, realize what goes on in the world in our communities, and like think you know really critically about how to how to interrupt the really messed up stuff that's happening yeah i mean like it's it's something we should all do i mean we should look for red flags i mean it's it's easy to kind of go about the status quo and you know just kind of not notice things around us that like maybe you kind of notice it out of the corner of your eye but you're like "Mm, that's you know and i mean one one anecdote i do have is that when when i was when i was a child probably around 10 years old don't worry this isn't depressing in the francis sense um (laughs) um 
So we, I had uh, a bunch of female pros stay at my house for the Longstreet Cycling Classic, which used to be an NRC race every year. It was the highlight of my year. I had a bunch of these awesome women um, got to like stay in my house for the stage race, and I just like worshipped them the whole time. <laughs> um, and I remember them sitting out on my porch, and Jean Vivre Jeanson came up in conversation. And this is before 2005, so before she was caught for EPO before everything came out about her and her coach. And I remember these women who raced in the Peloton with her saying like, oh yeah, she's so fast, but man, there's some fucked up stuff going on between her and her coach. Damn. And so like wow. people know, it's not, this isn't something that happens in a vacuum. People notice, people know. These weren't even women that were necessarily would, you know, you know, they, they race with her, but they wouldn't necessarily call her a friend. They don't hang out with her. But they saw and they knew they say they and I remember from a, from a young age, I remember them saying like, yeah, you know, I think they're in a relationship and it's there's something really messed up going on there. And I was kind of like, oh, OK, but I that's stuck in my head. And I remember it. And I remembered hearing that when I listened to the podcast. Whoa. Wow. Wow. So it's like when you see those red flags, you know, don't don't ignore them. Right. All right, so uh, we're coming to you on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Uh, <laughs> on to a lighter note. <laughs> yes, uh, the Wide Angle Podium Network is a fantastic podcast network where you can find, uh, I'd say, all the best cycling podcasts in America, possibly the world, uh, and uh, also some good cycle. Uh, sorry, some good podcasts that aren't necessarily cycling or strictly cycling related. Uh, so head over on over to WideAnglePodium.com. You can catch. Uh, the Meyerson line with Adam Meyerson. Uh, it doesn't update super often, but it's always good when it does. Um, the Slow Ride podcast, of course. Uh, if, I guess if we've got a flagship, that would be the flagship. But I mean, I don't know. There's also Crosshairs Radio. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, Bill Shikin's been doing some some good things um, with that show. Of course, we've got a new show on network. Uh, Lindsay Bayer 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 has started. No one's helping me. I, I think here. it's Bear. I think started, it's Bear. I think it's Bear. I, I like. I, I've listened to her interview on Crosshairs Radio, and and yet I I didn't remember how she said her. Uh, name. Yes, it's pronounced um, Lindsay. <laughs> oh right. Anyway, uh, she's just started a new podcast, um, the Dirtfield Recordings, I believe. Cool. Um, after her um, Twitter handle, it was a really good interview, so it should be a really good show. Um, real natural. Uh, radio personality, I guess. So anyway, go to wineanglepodium.com. Check out the other shows. Uh, if you like the shows, consider becoming a member, uh, even to the tune of you know a measly five dollars a month. Um, it doesn't sound like much, uh, but it means the world. Uh, so so yeah, it, it lets us do things like uh, do a T-shirt run on a whim, or actually, I. I ordered us a bunch of stickers so if you bump into one of us at uh the bike races this this coming year whether it be road or cyclocross or track i guess uh we could hand out you could we could give you a sticker with the podcast logo on it and you can put it like on your bike or on your computer on your butt um, on your butt, it probably won't stay. Oh, we should do temporary tattoos. Yes, oh my you can put, definitely put those on your butt. <laughs> but yes, you can. Oh, can uh, we do dog uh, shirts? Can can I? Uh, maybe. Can I finish the plug? <laughs> uh, Wide angle podium. 
Um, become a member, it does help us out because we can do things like that. Oh my god, I so want to do temporary we tattoos. We totally can do now. custom temporary tattoos. I'll cover my face in the. <laughs> That's, that is amazing. And uh, I don't know, we're feeling especially bold, non temporary tattoos. Ooh. Ooh, are, are we becoming single speed worlds? <laughs> I, I maybe maybe if I someday get a tattoo, it should be uh, the Honest Bicycle Program, <laughs> or win Single Speed Worlds, and then you won't have a choice. Oh yeah, that seems extremely <laughs> likely to happen. Definitely, definitely. Uh, when I'm up against like Adam Craig and Sven Fucking Ness, hey, he's not gonna win. He doesn't want the tattoo. He doesn't. No, it's true. it's true. Sven does not. I, I thought that was pretty funny. Like, I think most people knew, but there are a couple people being like, "Oh my God, Adam Craig totally schooled Sven," and it was like, "Uh, Sven just doesn't want to tattoo." Yeah, it's like he probably like <laughs> went up beside him at one point and was like, "So, uh, you want tattoo? You go ahead now." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do a Belgian accent in English. I'm sorry. So it actually wasn't too bad. Is Adam Craig just like covered in single speed worlds tattoos and only those now? Does he have, I wonder if he has other tattoos. Oh, is he like, actually he doesn't need to wear tops anymore. (laughs) He should get, he should get a t-shirt. You know, who should go do uh, single speed worlds is our good friend, uh, Dan Shabanoff. Ah, great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Called out, Dan. Um, Dan you called it, out. Yeah, we've, we've called you out. Go to Single Speed Worlds in uh, an Honest Bicycle program t-shirt, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, the that sponsorship be... that we're offering. <laughs> well, we can't give you a job support, but we can give well, you a t-shirt. This, well, the sponsorship... Uh, well, actually, I was going to say the sponsorship deal is Dan goes to teespring.com slash Honest Bicycle and buys a t-shirt, <laughs> whatever size he wants, and then we say nice things about him. When he raises uh, single speed worlds wearing, I don't know, maybe just the t-shirt. Oh yeah. I, oh I, I, God. I mean, that's just Make an idea. Pants. Give him some pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dan, you can wear some pants. It's probably best for everybody involved that you wear pants. Uh, I just, I just don't want anything to get in the way of our brand. That's all. <laughs> well, I mean, he can. What he can do is cover his legs mostly in Honest Bicycle Program uh, tattoos, and then just cut out the areas where the tattoos are on the shorts. Yeah, that's the only yeah. solution I can think of, and it's clearly the best solution. I mean, he doesn't have like a sponsor that would want to have some visibility. No, of course so, not. No, I don't know. Just a thought. Just spitballing. Blue sky solution earring. Um, yeah. Let us know what you think. Anyway, um, oh hey, I we okay. It's been like I don't know an hour or so. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time. Okay, no, it's not. It's been 50 minutes. Ah, right. oh, we're Great. good. You, you're, it's cross worlds. You think an hour is 50 minutes? Your timekeeping is off. <laughs> My timekeeping is no good. No, very uh, good. <laughs> not very good. So we probably have a couple minutes to talk about Cyclocross Worlds because we probably should because it happened. Yeah, my roommate is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, uh, yeah. Uh, I would like really, to take I mean, full credit for that silver medal. It's clearly because she was in my presence for a period of time that she was able to glean whatever it is that I have that made her win. Yes, and you were probably like a couple times, you are like, hey, Ellen, you're pretty cool. And she was like, thank you. And that made her really fast. Uh, and you were like, here, sample this, um, I don't know, 
this dish I have made or this cocktail I have invented. And she was like, oh, that tastes pretty good. I feel really fast now. Now it makes it sound like I am drugging her and she is winning because of that. (laughs) Uh, No, not, no. It is mainly probably Um, because she likes my dog. Oh, that's true. It is. Yes, it is. Actually, it's all down to Oliver. Oh, it's definitely Oliver. Definitely Oliver. So, uh, yes, uh, I guess we should be clear. People probably know who we're talking about. But if they don't, it's Ellen Noble. Ellen Noble, who got a silver medal in the U23 women's race at Worlds, which was amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, And it made me have a heart attack. Oh, man. There was so much excitement on Twitter. I I had so much adrenaline, I couldn't deal with it. Scott and I were sitting on the couch and freaking out. I think I was... I don't even remember what I was doing that day, but I, I was busy or something. And so I couldn't watch it till later, uh, but I was like, OMG. And yeah, Ellen took the race to them. She was like basically delivering like the bike equivalent of punches to the face. Uh, yeah, she was in the lead body. for a while. And body, yeah. She she uh, she ran past uh, Emery Verst on the stairs, and we were all like, OMG! Uh, so excited because it was badass and she did some other awesome passes and generally it was uh, very very exciting and I just want to say I was looking at we didn't do a predictions thing and people were I don't know she wasn't listed by most people as like a podium favorite but people were talking like all week about how crazy that cross worlds course was going to be in Luxembourg and I was like huh Alan's pretty good at the technical stuff maybe she'd be she'd be good but I didn't actually like venture like a prediction or anything like that but then she got second place yeah it was pretty pretty baller one of the things that i i was pretty touched about and i haven't watched the whole race and i'm still looking forward to but you know she was throwing down attacks and and yeah was was leading the race kind of late in the race but she was still super pumped to to get second and and cross the line you know just so happy (laughs) in her performance and that's that's really lovely yeah that was very that was very Ellen esque, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> that she was super psyched. Yes. <laughs> uh the the elite women's race was also pretty incredible. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean I think like for me, I mean the U twenty three women and the elite women, they, they put on the show, I think. Mm-hmm. Of the weekend. Um I mean, not to be biased in the fact that I'm female, but I mean, just, you know, for my money, I mean, that's the kind of bike racing I want to see, you know, just like two riders like duking it out at the front. I mean, in both cases and just like, you know, taking shots to the body and and Sonicon's crazy pass on that uphill off camera. And it was just, oh, God. <laughs> oh, that was that I was mean, awesome. both yeah. both races, all four riders were just racing with so much heart. And oh, man, it, it was. Yeah. I mean, I I basically like dumped all the adrenaline in my body during the U23 race and then had to watch the women's race. And I was like, I'm going to literally have a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was, I was, I have, I'm a, I'm a fan of, uh, I'm very articulate. I'm a fan of Sonic Kant. Uh, I think she's great. I think that, you know, she's been so close so many times and she's really shown her frustration. Uh, And to see her actually take on, marianne voss at basically full power yeah uh and win like come out on top was pretty great it was incredible like you know i i love like, i loved ellen being super psyched about getting second but i also love the fact that sonicant has never been satisfied with second 
Yeah. You know, she's yeah. like, and obviously, you know, there were all the jokes like the past two years about her being like sad on the podium and second, but I think that's awesome. She has this incredible drive and she, she got those stripes that she's been looking for. Yep. I mean, she's, you know, she's been looking for those for, for quite some time. You know, that's a career goal for her. It's totally, you know, and it's, it's a lot to, um, you know, for us, not for, it's a lot for her, but um, for us to be able to see that kind of emotion and those kind of ups and downs, you know, on the podium and now this year winning worlds. Um, I mean, it, it takes a lot out of the riders for sure. It's like, it's a real up and down sort of lifestyle. <laughs> um, so it's, it's definitely awesome for her to finally, you know, clinch that win after, after so long. Yeah. Yeah. That was really great. It was great to see. Any thoughts on the elite men's race? crickets i mean apparently everyone <laughs> no, nobody finished that one right everyone just got flat tires and didn't finish i mean it was it was crazy because everyone was just like race over race over race over. yeah everyone ever well yeah i mean everyone after the race was like i had you know three flat tires yeah well i had four flat <laughs> I had tires Turn, i had flat eight tires. flat tires yeah i mean there, there were people who abandoned because they didn't have any wheels left <laughs> yeah that is true it's crazy that is true um and you know and so Wout Van Aert won because uh, he only had one flat and where Matthew Vanderpool had a very unfortunately timed flat uh. um, when he was far from the pit and and yeah I mean and um, that's how it goes I guess I am fine with it. Um, it's pretty crazy when a Vanderpool race is decided by who has the least flats. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's like real, there's real reason i don't know i i flatted a lot last season and i don't think it was simple bad luck oh no i mean like, it's you, you can't chalk it up all to that but i mean you, you you can say that there was an abnormally high amount of flats for the men on no, the oh yes the, yes there absolutely were i i just i guess i just mean like you know people sometimes say like oh it really sucks when the world championship comes down to luck and i don't really i don't really think of it that way like no it's it's not luck i, I don't I, think but i mean you know it, it may have turned out differently four flats had, as yeah you know had more riders been able to keep their wheels with air in them. Yes. No, that that's definitely true. And I mean, it's unfortunate that it was that bad, right? It's not like, oh, just tough it up. There were 8,000 flats. That's fine. Well, that's not really a normal <laughs> Why don't number. you just pull your wheels up by their bootstraps? <laughs> Why don't you just, you know, put, uh, I don't know, expanding foam into your tubes so that they're just rock hard and it's fine apparently like, specialized no, is, not... is selling bikes with some tires that don't have air in them oh but that's been going on since about forever yeah airless tires that's not like a, i'm surprised specialized is selling them yeah me too but is like, this that's a been... dream am, am i for real <laughs> yeah because suddenly i'm surprised too but i'm pretty sure i saw that somewhere you know some like consumer grade not not race bike but uh but yeah, I mean, airless tires have been around for. I mean, sorry, not to go in a rabbit hole on that. I I I learned to ride a bike that had solid tires, mm-hmm. apparently, or at least some of my learning to ride a bike was on that. But I learned to ride a bike on square tires. <laughs> well, you're just better than me. Uh, yeah. So all right. Anyway, that's fine. That was the race. Uh, Kevin Powell's was third <laughs> because that's his place. Oh, apparently. Powell's. <laughs> I like Powell's. I, I do not think he will ever be world champion, but that makes me sad because I would kind of like for him to be world champion. 
Pals is a good dude. So he might be, yeah, he might be world champion, like because both um, Vanderpool and Van Art like take up road and are like, dah, forget it. But then he would probably lose to Lars Vanderhaars. Ah, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the way of the way. Oh, does anyone know? Um, just as we are wrapping up, I guess, which we should do. Katie Compton, what happened to her? Because she was started the last lap, like either right in front of or right behind Katie Antonov in like eighth or ninth place, and then she was gone. Does anyone know what happened with that? I didn't see any commentary nope. about, about her, any any interviews or anything. I've seen, lines. I've seen surprisingly little commentary about how she like it. Just she hasn't gotten much coverage outside of nationals, which was odd. I'm actually doing a search on Velo News right now, and maybe that'll. Note, the last thing is Compton Cruz's 13th straight national title. So. Huh. Huh. Whatever. No one knows. Uh, All right. Well, we should probably wrap it up. It's been an actual hour now. It's been the time of times. It has been the time of times. It was the best of times. As always. It was the worst of times. And also the... Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, just how it goes. I was oh, I didn't. Does it have to be the worst of times? <laughs> womp womp. I don't want worst. I don't. What's How that about just? I don't it's want been the mediocre of times. times. It sounds great. <laughs> or uh, just like it was the best of times. Yeah, it was the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> that's the sentence. Like it was awesome. Things were great. <laughs> um, that's the story. That's our story. You know, I guess you wouldn't. I guess. I guess. Like, if you're getting paid by the word, like that doesn't work out so well for you. Because what story is there to tell if there's no, you know, bad stuff, no drama? It's like once upon a time there was a guy, uh, and his life was awesome, and yeah, okay, and yeah, the end. That's the story. Yeah. All right, you guys. This has been the Honest Bicycle Program. We're gonna put a we're gonna put a pin in it. We're gonna stick a fork put in, a pin in it. Our listeners we're done. Check out Blinders Optics and Health IQ. Oh yeah, and let's, the podcast let's close. Johnson on that. Yep, yep. Uh, let's 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 close on the Blinders Optics. Uh, those are still a thing. Yep. Um, Blinders has blindersoptics.com in business. Both so Matteo and Greg and have it. a pair right now. We do, we do. They're great. They're awesome. I love them. They're super cool. They're indeed yeah, awesome. Uh, also, thank you to uh, Larry Len, who bought a pair after uh, hearing about us on this very podcast. Awesome. What? What's up, Larry? I hope I pronounced your Larry. last name properly. I apologize if I did not. Larry, yes. Most sincere apologies if that's wrong, because you're a hero. Um, don't let anyone tell you different. So go go check it out. Blindersoptics.com, right? Yep, that's the one. That's the one. Go get some sweet shades. All right, peoples. I've been Greg. I've been Francis. And I've been Matteo. All right, peace out, guys. We'll see you later.